Hello, this is episode 135 of Just Because of the Human Experience Podcast. I'm Michael Lobo. This was recorded April 11th. Today is June 21st, 2041. That's how behind I am. At least that's how it feels. My guest was Nat. We did theater together. Um, this was really great to, to have her on, pick her brain about theater, acting, how she got into it, what she loves about it, and talking about her podcast, which you could also check out. It's on Spotify and probably anywhere you, you find the podcast materials. What? Wherever you can find podcasts. It's called Nat is Fascinated. N-A-T. Nat. Nat is fascinated. You could also check out the playlist on Spotify, Just Because Pod, where I include songs um, recommended by the guests. I want to thank her for being on. Truly appreciated it. Appreciated her time and sharing. Shaboopy. I'm great now. That's right. I, this is so lovely. Thank you for doing this. Of course. Thank you for agreeing. I know <laughs> I, was, I was blackmailing you, but it's still you. I want to act like you had a choice. Um, it is so funny. Uh, I think the hardest thing I've learned about about podcasting is getting people to do your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's totally, yeah, because you have to convince them, hey, uh, could you talk to me for like an hour and it'll be cool, I promise. Is my camera on? No, it's not. It is not on. Well, Did I didn't want to pressure you if you did. <laughs> there we are. I'm a little bit of a Zoom idiot, still learning, um, but I'm getting it. Uh, it was funny is that two weeks ago I did a theater festival for the Phoenix Theater. So we did our entire... Uh, rehearsal like this in Zoom. Ooh. And it was so funny that we had to remember to unmute. And it was so many times us actors would get like into the scene, like, and we'd be like, oh my gosh. Uh, Nat, Nat, you're not muted. Nat, you're unmuted. Get, get me. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh my goodness. Are we recording at the moment? We are, yeah. Perfect. If, yeah. <laughs> I was wondering about that because uh, COVID kind of screwed everything up yeah. for everybody. And uh, and as as performers, you know, I'd, I'd see some stuff like open mics, but through Zoom. And I, I thought, oh, that's weird. I love I love being in the room and performing. And then, yeah, you have to play with your thing. And then if my dogs start barking or if my son walks in or it's just it was, strange. But, you know, it was, I was so grateful when they... They reached out to me and said, hey, you know, we're doing the, the theater festival this year. Um, and some of the shows were in Zoom and some of the shows were in live. Blessed, my show was live. So I 
rehearsed in Zoom, but I got to perform live. And let me tell you, my friend, it was so wonderful after a year of hearing people laugh, uh -huh. having an audience. And I'm, I'm such a theater person that I love the energy between an audience and, and a performer. It's, it's so delicious and amazing. It was great to have for two shows, so. No, I bet. And it's even, uh, as, as things kind of are going back to normal, um, my, my wife Serena will tell me, the audio seems better through Zoom than when I would record with people. So you should stay with that. And I said, well, I don't know. I love being in the same room with people because it's just different. We are all together breathing that same air there's just something something special about it and um but i mean i guess i guess we'll see what happens as time we'll goes on do. we'll make do we'll figure it out i don't fucking know anymore um <laughs> i i love that i'm gonna get to have you on because you you're part of this very early memory where i i started theater and performing even we did the play you can't take it with you and so you were there at the this bubble of my love for performing, for acting. So to get you on and pick your brain and get your story is something I definitely wanted to do. So thank you for, for doing this. Absolutely, but now you got me curious. Um, when we were in college, what were, what were you going to school for? Asian, so I was a nurse. No, uh, I was... <laughs> um, Psychology. I was doing psychology, but I added theater as um, sort of a double major. And in there. what what prompted you to add theater? I I loved everything from Phoenix College, the the growing and the process, and and again the performing. And then when I got to ASU, you couldn't take a lot of theater classes unless it was part of your your major. So I didn't want to just stop, and I thought that was kind of a silly. I think you should be able to take whatever you want, but. Uh, so I added it on there just so I could expose myself to these uh, different uh, classes and ideas. Mm -hmm. um, do you remember the first play you ever saw? I know the first play that I saw and I thought, oh, I think I want to do this. And it was oh. Dog Sees God. <gasps> I, I forgot who it was, like what company in Phoenix did it. Yeah. But I remember seeing that and I go, oh my gosh, that that just felt amazing to experience um, and to see them do that. What was really great is my friend who's doing his capstone chose Dog Sees God. Yep. And so I auditioned for him and then I got to play uh, Charlie Brown. And so I was like this, this cool like <laughs> circle. circle, yeah. To be able to, to play the role of the play that um, really got me hooked on it as a audience. Awesome. What, about, what about you? How did you, um, get exposed to it. To theater? You, yeah. Uh, well, I've always been, uh, I was the, I'm the youngest of three. And so I was the little, the little sister that nobody wanted to play with. Oh, so no. I, I knew, um, so I had my imagination. My imagination was my best friend in the whole wide world. Um, I did have, uh, of course, I, I did have friends, but I love playing pretend. I also ha remember having this amazing green old chalkboard with a old margarine container with chalk and I would sit in front of this chalkboard and just draw stories all day so I always had a flair for storytelling and the dramatics and I think the very first show show I saw 
my very good friend Connie, whom I've been friends for a very long time, uh, her birthday is in December, and I just remember seeing a show going for her birthday. We all got to go to see a play, and it really resonated with me. Now I grew up with in a family where going, I'm going to be an. I think you have a you know a knack for drawing, so you should be like a graphic designer. So I was never really encouraged. Yeah. But I kind of like held on to it. And then in high school, I was very shy. And then in high school, I started finding my voice and like my niche because I wasn't the prettiest, I wasn't the smartest, I wasn't the most athletic, but I have a sense of humor and I can make people laugh. And I love, 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 love making people laugh. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of kept it in the back of my head. I moved from Montreal, Quebec to Vancouver and because Vancouver was a, a big place for filming. Tried getting there, getting to filming there. And the only thing that I ever got when I was in Vancouver, I was, I was an extra for Happy Gilmore. That's awesome. <laughs> I was the extra for Happy Gilmore. I was there at the end where, you know where the, the, the final tournament yeah. where the a little VW bug hits the tower and it falls over? Mm -hmm. I was there for that day. Yes. And um, I was, it was filmed actually not in the golf course. Here's a little fun fact. It was filmed in a botanical garden. And I missed the Bob Barker day by, but uh, I got to be on set for a few days. You can see if I, if you, if we watch the finals tournament, I can like, hey, there I am. So I always kept in the back of my head and then uh, acting. Then I moved from Vancouver to Toronto and then from Toronto to Phoenix. And I, acting just kept coming back to me coming back to me and finally a little later in life I went back to school and I went to our, our community college and that was my very first play was a really uh, sad play called The Shadow Box. Have you ever heard of The Shadow Box? Okay, no. It's the, about the five stages of death. Okay. Yeah. So it's uh, three different uh, different stories happening at the same time, but at different places on this hospice area. And like one is, so the five stages of death are anger, depression, acceptance, bargaining, uh, and avoidance, something like that. I'm missing yeah. one, I'm missing the order. So each of the three, there's six characters in, they're at different stages. Like there's one person, he's in acceptance and one is in denial and one is in bargaining. So it was a really, for my very, very first play ever, uh, I was a wife who was facing her husband who was dying and I was denial. I'll always remember that I was in denial. Now that I'm older and wiser and have more experience, it's one play I would love to redo again mm -hmm. as now a more seasoned that's actually a really good question. Which one would you redo again? I have several. Yeah. So the shadow box, I would redo it again because it was my very, very first play. And now that I have more skills, more tools, more experience, more grit, I would like to think that I could do it better. A play that, if, if there was a character ever written for me, it was a play called Unnecessary Farce. It is a very funny play, of course, a farce. So there's seven actors and eight doors people running in and out of doors. And it's about a sting operation gone wrong with the most bumbling police officers. And I'm one of the police officers. And Billy, Officer Billy, 
is just so fun to play. I got two awards for playing that character. I loved it and I have tried, I've auditioned to, to do her again. I have yet to do it and I, I'll keep on trying. What's a, a struggle you, you go through in, in the process of, of a production? Because us, us actors and everyone in the production, we work really hard to put the whole thing together. And then the audience yeah. comes for one night, they see it an hour and a half, two hours, whatever, and they go, that was great, yay! <laughs> but we're like, you don't know what we had to do. Um, what, what is a struggle that sticks out to you during the whole process? I love the entire process. I love auditioning. I love learning lines. And I learn lines like, you know, you see the whole script, you're like, I gotta learn all these lines. The trick is to like just break it down, like mm -hmm. like into beats. Every day you learn this page and just, just break it down. I love learning lines. I love the rehearsal process. I think what it is for me as an insecure actor is what, like in opening night, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Am I mm -hmm. funny enough? Am I, do I know my lines enough? Do I know what am I supposed to do enough? Do I know my intentions enough? It's all of my insecurities boiling up after three, four, or five weeks of rehearsals, and and that's where it comes to me is is <sighs> am I good enough? Yeah. And I just kind of go through my ritual of of you know breathing and exercises and positive affirmations and just you can do it. And I'm the most nervous for the first four minutes at the beginning of the play, and then rehearsal kicks in and like yeah, I got this. I can do this. You know, and trust the people on stage with you and trust, you have to also trust the crew that's mm -hmm. doing the lighting crews and, and everything. Everybody's in this together, which I love. And just collectively our energy's coming together to put on this production for this for this one moment in time. And it's a journey between audience and me. So yeah, it's my self-doubt that gets, is my worst enemy. I hate uh, right before a performance, yeah. I feel like throwing up. I feel sweaty. I feel just, <laughs> oh God. But yeah, you're right. Once it's, once you're on, on, on stage. Yep. Or it's moving, it's just gone. Yep. And this elation just floods your body after. But I, I hate it. I hate it. So no matter people uh, I've worked with would, you know, introduce me to breathing exercises or I just do a bunch of push-ups, or I wouldn't drink caffeine like a few mm -hmm. hours before I would try a lot of stuff, but just like, I just would, oh man, it was, it was terrible. And um, I also hate auditioning. I hate it so much. I hate it. Like that, that's where my insecurity, like just hits just peak power is I, oh man, I just having to, how do you want me to say this? Like, how do you, I, I'll read this and I go, they go, okay, that's good. That's all right. Go, you don't want to tell me anything. Do I? And then waiting, oh, I hate it so much. But as soon as I love, I love the learning lines. I love the figuring out the, the character, and then the the camaraderie with the cast and the oh, crew, yes. it's amazing. I look at auditioning as a chance to show off. Okay. So I go in there, and you know, I, you got to do the work. You got to do the work beforehand. You know, you got your sides, you got your monologue, whatever. And to me, I just walk in like I own this room, and I get to entertain you for the next two to five minutes, yeah. I'm going to entertain you and I'm going to be the, be the best part of your day. 
maybe at the beginning, I don't quite remember. I hated auditioning. Like I would just melt like, oh my God, they hate me. But no, I just now have turned around. I'm like, I love this and you're going to love me. And I like, mic drop, like, boom. Yeah. This is why you want Nat, you know, Nat. This is why you want Nat. Yeah. That was a good impression of me, by the way. Um, <laughs> with the storytelling thing you were, you were talking about, yep. I started getting into like live storytelling. A few few places around Phoenix do it, where you just you tell a story for two minutes, whatever the theme is of the night. Like and, a moth? Like a moth? Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. Okay, like that. And cool. so I found that it's it's amazing and i i also do a little spoken word but what the story is it's, it's a little more free you don't have to to stick to the the poetry aspect and then COVID hit so then i, I couldn't do it with you loving storytelling did did you ever go into writing at all or that that aspect so a, a little bit ago um i had befriended a, a gentleman who worked in the um film tv film industry and he inspired me to to start writing. He like he saw me in a couple of plays. He goes, "God, you're you're really funny." And so he inspired me to write. I have written a screenplay one that I put into a couple of festivals. Nothing came out of it, but I was so proud of myself. It's so daunting of like a whole screenplay. But think of it getting to go back into learning lines. You look at the whole script and you're like I learned all these lines. But if you just like break it down like by scene bit by bit mm-hmm. you know it, it comes together so i did do one screenplay i have started one that i haven't touched in a long long time and i have one in my head as well so there's a part of me that uh yeah i've reached i've branched out to to storytelling because going back to the little girl in front of the blackboard with a chalk what did i do i told myself stories and I drew pictures, and I told myself complete stories. So why don't you take that little girl and, and her intention and her curiosity and her, and her creativity, and, and now this older woman who has all this life experience, you can tell like a more in-depth story. So I'm a work in process when it comes to screenwriting. It's fun, it's really daunting though. It, it, you come up with the best excuses not to write. Do you yeah. have that? Oh, I totally have that. Where I go, oh <laughs> uh, well, I haven't I haven't petted my dog in, in ten in ten minutes. So let me go pet my dog for and then yeah. I'll start writing. And then I'll start and then I have three dogs, so I have to do every single dog, give yeah. them love. And then oh it's no, so, an hour's uh, gone. I gotta now. put my microphone over here. I gotta exactly. I got oh look at my computer screen. I gotta I gotta clean the computer screen. Oh, mm-hmm. I gotta get another glass of water. Oh, like you know, it just anything to just avoid starting writing but when you start writing you'll find that you're like oh yeah oh this is good oh yeah what if we did that so you said you had two sisters oh no you were a uh, sister and a brother sister and a brother yep how how is your relationship with with them because i'm always curious with with my my two brothers and my older sister again we're asian so we we're supposed to be nurses and get a job that pays uh okay. and acting depending doesn't <laughs> so there was there was always that thing there with from my mom they're doing this what are you doing and so doing theater just what yep. that's not a thing so how how is your relationship with them um growing okay. up okay well a great question um so i'm french canadian 
Uh, my mom grew up in the depression. Mm. So there's that sense of practicality. Uh, my siblings are in the business world. My sister worked for Merck. Merck Cross is a huge company. She's very successful. I uh, went to McGill University. My brother went to Concordia University and is in the business world. And I was always a little creative weirdo. And I took dance classes and art classes. They just kind of like, oh, look at that. She'll grow out of it. Mm. Um, so it wasn't very encouraged. My family absolutely loves me. Pretty much, I talk to my mom pretty much every week. My family has never seen me perform live. And that's a little bit of a, um, it also, you know, it doesn't help that they live in a different country. I've sent, some of my plays have been uh, recorded. You're not really supposed to record plays. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I sent them a commercial that I did, you know, so they've seen on tape what I do but it's not the same thing. You know, they, I would love for my family to see me perform live. Mm -hmm. I think what it is, is that they're just happy that I'm happy. They're happy that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm married, I work, I'm healthy. You know, the acting thing's like, oh, okay, Nat, like, how cute. But I love my, my family. They're fantastic human beings. Uh, I love spending time with them, but yeah. Not the most encouraging when it comes to the theater stuff. Like for you, you know, I guess it wasn't very encouraging your family. No, still, still, <laughs> my mom will still say, you know, you can go be a nurse. I go, I no, I'm 33. It's not going to happen. I'm, what, I'm good. What do you do now? I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a teacher. I'm a pre-K teacher. Oh, uh, yeah. So we have the same reading level as I have the same reading level as the kids. So it's, I get along really well with them. And, um, that storytelling thing would would come out for me too in that you know we'd read these books can you read me a book and so i'd read them and eventually yeah. we just go through all the books and i go i don't want to read this book again so then i started telling them stories just on the spot which was really great with all the like the improv exercises we do it was great so now they'll ask me for a story and i go i can't do this every day <laughs> but it, yeah. it's great it's great exercise but um so I'll, i try to do it once a week yeah, I've been teaching for, it'll be 10 years in May. Do um, you have a theater element? Do you put like theater in your classes at all? Oh yeah, definitely. And I, I think the kids appreciate that because it's not just me telling them math, right? Or just me just doing letters with them. I, I try to find ways, like if we're doing a country, we'll, we'll do, like we'll try to imagine it's really cold outside. So how would we feel? How would our bodies feel? Or um, when we learn about a person in the week, if it's an astronaut or whatever, we would, we'll play these little games where we pretend we're in the rocket ship and stuff like that. So I, I do try to get them up and moving more than just sitting, drawing and writing. Yeah. I took a, an improv class in Chicago for a one week a few years back, and I was pretty much the only actor. Uh, there was actually two divisions of, of, the, class, of the courses just for improv improv you know improv series people and the other was just like everyday people and i didn't realize i got into the everyday people course but it was really cool is that most of the students in my improv course was teachers there's teachers oh, yeah. who want to incorporate improvisation into their curriculum and one person was a doctor and the reason why he was encouraged to take improv was to be able to on his feet 
talk mm -hmm. to patients, you know, on your feet, you know, hey, um, sorry, Mr. You know, Cunningham, you're, you're going to die of pancreatic cancer. You have to think quick on your feet when this person's like reacting. So it was really interesting to talk to all these teachers, like somewhere from you know, Saskatchewan and all sorts of places in the U.S. So in the ASU, I remember taking a puppetry for children course where they're incorporating puppetry into the classroom. As I've growing up and um, doing stuff, you kind of start to see, oh, we do this exercise in the real world. We do these things. It, it just applies like improv and, and even trying to understand a character. I mean, that's just empathy. That's just figuring out where a person is coming from. Something that we're all severely lacking or we can all work on is emotional intelligence. Have you ever oh, heard of it? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Daniel Goleman, I believe, is the author of a book about emotional intelligence. intelligence. And boy, oh boy, we can use some, my friend. Oh, man. And then I, I definitely try to, to teach that with my kids. What's something for you, personally, if you feel comfortable sharing, huh? like that draws you to it or what? have you figured out oh i kind of need to work on this oh i got it i so got it i somehow in my life um i am blessed with great health mental health and physical health it seems that i around me in my circle of friends is uh, people with different levels in of mental illness mm. and so for me at times it was hard to understand like what is going on here like something callous, you know, if someone's in the middle of an anxiety attack, we'll just get over, just get over it. Just right. That's super callous. So by listening to a lot of podcasts, to listening, you know, to a lot of other human beings, reading articles, I haven't gone to therapy, but I totally support therapy. I've learned a lot about empathy and my emotional intelligence and how what I do can help another human being. So I am all about everyone being a little, kind of a little more aware with your emotional intelligence because we all can benefit from it. Yeah. What has been a role mm -hmm. that you haven't gotten a chance to do, but you would really love to do? I asked because there's a string of, of plays I was in where yeah. I, was, I was the goofy, silly guy. And it was fun being the goofy, silly guy. And I thought, I, I kind of want to try something else, but I just kept getting cast as that. And yep. I finally got to do one where I played uh, this pedophile killer, like he killed and um, little girls. I thought, hey, that's the total opposite. So let's do it. And so not that I wanted that specifically, right. um, but just definitely to challenge myself. What, what is a role you've, you've been wanting to do. to do uh there's several now i'm someone i look like a little cherub cupid cupid doll you know i've got my puppy feet and i got like you know i'm so cute so i get cast a lot as the cute girl the you know the girlfriend the the snarky you know secretary type of thing so every now and then i'm very blessed that i got to be cast against type one I'm going to say that I got, I did get to do. Um, ever heard of the Pillow Man? No. Oh, super dark play. Super I'm write dark this down. Play. The Pillow yeah, Man. The Pillow Man. Super dark, and it's actually performed by four men. One of the characters is called 
Ariel. So it can go either way. And so this director, a female director, decided that she wanted to do it Ariel as a female. And I heard that, I went after it, and I got it. And so here's, you know, Cupid doll Nat mm-hmm. that finally got to be this dark, sinister cop. You know, it was fantastic. But a, a play that I got, um, let me think about it. Ooh, something evil. See, I would like to do something bad or evil just because that's so against type for me because mm-hmm. I look so cute cute and innocent like a cupid doll um I do uh, eventually one day I would love to do uh death of a salesman Linda Linda okay, Lowe. yeah gotta do that that would be so wonderful <sighs> think 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 I'm like I'm looking at all the plays behind me I'm like what um actually it was fun, kind of fun like last year for the Phoenix uh uh New Works Festival, I got to go against type again, where I turned out to be this manipulative, uh, cheating woman. And it was really fun walking out into the audience after the show and they were just like, mm, you're so evil. Or the best the best compliment is you come out of a play and someone uh-huh. goes, I hated you. Yeah. Thank you, thank you so much. That means I did a good job. If you hated me, perfect. I'm a really great person, but if you hated me, I did my job. Exactly. What, oh, so that I that made me remember, where do you get your validation from? Because that after a show, you go out, you meet your people. Yep. I'm always, what did you think? What did you think? <laughs> um, tell me I'm good. Where do you get yours? I think for me is, you know, it's always lovely to go out after a show and you hear like, oh, you were fantastic. You're wonderful. Uh, I always had this fantasy. There's a great old movie called Easter Parade. Oh, yeah. And there's this great scene where they come into this beautiful uh, restaurant after a show and everybody's clapping like, oh, you're wonderful. And I'm like, oh, I would love that. And it kind of happened to me one time where um, a little theater that's now sadly closed, I did a show there and I was meeting my friends at the like English pub right next door. And I walked in and all my friends were like, ah, you're wonderful like yes but for me the validation is on stage when I am present in the moment in the Mm. character in the scene and I feel it and I feel the connection with the audience and I feel the audience either go (gasps) you know that oh wow that I didn't expect that or that was fantastic or the big laughing for me the validation I could feel it on stage and that's where it's for me, the most intense and delicious. Yeah. The stuff afterwards is fantastic. The reviews are always like nice, but like when you're on stage and you feel that connection, you feel your present, you're just on point, you've got your lines and you know what you're doing. And yep, it's right yeah. there on stage. One one of my favorite parts is when you rehearse, right? And you you in the cast, you all know everything, what comes next. And you kind of see someone break character a little bit. And then they're gonna laugh a little bit, and and one time for me was I was you know doing my lines and then I, I said the thing the big and one woman in the crowd goes oh hell no like really loud and I I tried to hold it together so hard and and luckily it was it was towards the end of the like the scene has there been a a time for you either when you were about to break or did break or someone around you 
Oh, oh honey, yes. Yeah. I got some I got stories for you all day. This could be a long podcast. This is nine um, hours. Good. <laughs> I got it. Okay, got it. Get comfy. All right. So I'm gonna say one time this uh you know the play uh John Frankie and Johnny and the Claire de Lune? No. Two person play. Okay. And we're doing this show, me and uh my friend Todd, and the show is about this couple the there are two coworkers uh, like, that work at a diner. He's a cook, she's a waitress. They finally go out on a date and she's very, doesn't want to get in a relationship, but they just had sex. And so, and he's like so enamored with her. Anyway, so it's a, it's a play where there's a lot of nudity. And so, you know, Todd and I have been naked on stage, but now we're like in the kitchen and he's making me breakfast. And he, he said something to the effect of, something to the line of, do you think I'm gay? And there was a gay man in the audience that was like out loud, just yes, please. (laughs) So uh, thank God, like I'm like at the counter and I could be like, you know, covering my mouth a little bit, but you know, there was this awesome beat of just everybody, you know, enjoying the laughter, Uh but out loud, this man was like, yes, please. (laughs) You know, just you know, look at each other like, yep, that happened. Moving on. Right. Moving on. Another time uh, during Shakespeare, Taming the Shrew, I was upstage. So me and my my uh, my actor friend, Evan, we were, you know, little lovers. You know, I was Bianca and we're supposed to be upstage. And there was two actors downstage performing their scene. And David had a wig. And on top of his wig, there was a hat. And I guess what happened in front of everybody he went to like tip off his hat, but he took his wig with him. And I saw it out of the corner of my eye. And I went to Evan, like under like our breath. I'm like, I can't look. If I look, I'm going to crack up laughing. I'm going to crack up laughing. So I can't look, but I know it was happening. So the audience is just losing it. You know, David recovered and then oh Evan, like go downstage and, you know, continue on with our scene. But I know, I know if I saw that, I would just, Oh my gosh! Those are those. Those are so much fun, and the those those little moments, and that you you kind of as a cast know. You brought up earlier. You have a podcast. Have you started it? So I, you know, we were talking about storytelling. It was, and then COVID started, and no theater was happening. And uh, I was doing film auditions via self tape, which I learned that I absolutely hate because you know what's great about self and going for an audition is that you go in you got your two minutes you got your five minutes and you're done you walk out with self-tape you can review how you look how you do and like you're like oh I'm awful I'm fat I need a chin job I need a nose you know job like you just get so Mm self-critical and then I also to put you know roof over my head i work as a data entry at a at a job in an office and it's just for me soul killing and to way to get through these shifts is i started listening to podcasts so i just started listening to podcasts like a little over a year ago and i love it i love it i love listening to human beings communicating sharing the stories being vulnerable that's something i need to work on is being vulnerable 
So I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. And I just kind of like listened to all sorts of different types of podcasts and put together like, what do I want to say? What format? What do I want to do? So I started my podcast called Matt is Fascinated. I only have 10 episodes and it's an interview style podcast where I find someone who is willing to talk to me for, for an hour. And it's, me getting to know them better on a deeper level. Some people I've known for years, some people I barely know. So there's sometimes it's just one-on-one like you and, I, you and I are doing right now. And some call are called couple corners episode. So I have interviewed some uh, people in committed relationships. They don't have to be married because there's all sorts of different types of commitments. Mm-hmm, true. And I went back to one of my bartending days. I, I used to love it when people would sit at my bar, you know, a couple, and I'd be like, so how did we meet, you know, mm-hmm. type of thing. So it's always nice to talk to a couple and see how did they get started? How did they know, you know, how do they get to where they are right now? And it's fantastic to ask people who've been together for a long time, what have you learned? Mm. If you were giving me advice today on my wedding day. What advice would you give me? And it's been fantastic. I've had three episodes aired. I actually lost my first interview. I didn't save it. Ah, it was fantastic. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. So that's my podcast. It's Nat is Fascinated. You can, yeah, you can get on Anchor and Google Podcasts. I think Spotify. And like I said, I only have 10 episodes so far. I was supposed to uh, have an 11th interview on Thursday, but guess what? Someone canceled. Life happens. Yeah. So, you know, just keep keep asking people, keep coordinating with people, and uh, hopefully I get episode 11 pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. And what have you learned then from these episodes, these conversations you've had? Oh, my God, that we're all, we're all works in progress. We all are in this together. You'd be surprised how the similarities in our life stories sometimes. It's been fantastic is that I've had some friends who've gone through some health challenges. And once again, I'm blessed with good health, namaste. And uh, my very first episode is my darling friend, Jennifer, who is, you know, she was Mrs. Arizona 2020 and she at the age of 41 was diagnosed with stage four colorectal cancer. Oh my goodness. Yeah, she's doing good. She's doing okay. good. You know, she found out October 2017 and now we're 2021 and she's doing fine. But, you know, it's been a journey and just really sitting down with her and like, what happened Jen? And she shared with that. It was amazing. And I had another friend who shared with me what, you know, what happens when you have Lyme disease. And I have another friend who is a lawyer and helped her. You know, I knew she had these two nephews, but I'm like, where are these nephews from? Well, she helped her brother adopt these brothers in Liberia. So she had to go to Liberia and oh go through goodness. the whole process there to adopt these two boys. I didn't know that. So let's sit down for an hour and let's have a conversation. Uh, it's, so it's been really cool. It's been, you know, for some for some reason, sometimes we learn, we talk to people, we talked on this level, on this surface. Yes. But sometimes... And you have like hints like, oh, you know, Trisha has two nephews, but they're not from here. Like they were adopted. Oh, okay. But it's nice to sit down, have a cup of tea, have a glass of Pinot Noir, you know, mm-hmm. whatever they're serving that day. And, and you ask them like, hey, what happened? 
how is it in Liberia? What was your favorite day in Liberia? You know, and do you have any advice for people who are adopting inter, you know, internationally? What advice do you have for them? So, oh, I've learned a whole lot and I'm, I'm loving it. Loving it. Oh my it. gosh. Yeah. yeah. I've really enjoyed doing that as well and, and talking to people and even people you've known for years and then you find out some little thing you just never knew. Yeah. And it's just astonishing. You go, I've yeah. known you for five, 10 years, what? We've never talked about this. Um, and that's delicious and wonderful. Yeah. And you want to lean into it, like, tell me more, please. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So I, I can't wait to listen to yours. What podcast did you enjoy that inspired you to get to where you are? Uh, I've listened to a bunch. I like the interview style. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm a comedy girl. So I started off with, actually, of all of them looking thinking back is the Anna Ferris has one called unqualified and I really liked oh, yeah. her character um and her show mom now she's off gone but then I started that and it led to you know Dax Shepard's armchair expert and then Conan O'Brien um uh, friend. needs a friend yeah and then I love Andy Richter and I love I really like Andy Andy is is nice and raw and real and simple and then I also listen to, you know, we're talking about mental health. There's some great podcasts about mental health uh, called uh, The One You Feed. Mm. If you ever really want a good one about uh, mental health, The One You Feed or The Hidden Mind. I also like history podcasts. So, you know, learning about the, uh, you know, the presidents. Because I'm Canadian, I know nothing about the U.S. presidents. It's the worst when it comes up in jeopardy, I know I'm screwed when it comes oh, to you. No. American history. <laughs> yeah. So now we we have more random questions I have Actually, for you. I love random. Well, Do first, it. what is a song recommendation you would make? Oh. It doesn't have to be a current song. It could just be any song you you're in your life at the moment have currently been feeling. Oh my god, there's so many. Silent Lucidity by Queensryche. Very old, or Midnight Blue by Wild T and the Spirit. Oh yeah, Silent mm. Lucidity. Queen's Silent Lucidity. That's Queen's what. Uh, that's what I'm going to name my inner child. Um, <laughs> that's good. All right. So the questions: What are you currently worried about? What am I currently? Um, I think I'm worried about um, my job, which is so stupid because you have your job, you have your calling, and you have your calling you know my job career calling mm. and i worry about this and i shouldn't be worried about this because this is a, just a job you know there's other jobs out there but it's the job that's you know keeping the roof over the head uh you know my clothes on my back shoes on my feet get hot shower because of it then eh, maybe just finding a different department that i'm that'll be better suited at yeah. what was your worst travel experience oh Oh, easy. Oh, easy. easy. Flying from Montreal to Phoenix during Christmas, snowstorm. Oh, uh, so, you know, showing up at the airport in Montreal, and they're already, like, I just felt it going, oh, this is going to be rough, because there's a snowstorm, so there's a delay. So if there's a delay in Montreal, you get to Chicago, there's a delay there. And I mean, I, me and my husband were running to the gate to the gate and they're closing the gate looking at us and oh my god 
plane? And they're like, Where, you're not getting on that plane, Missy. You're not getting on that plane. Oh, well. And so we spent 18 hours in Chicago O'Hare waiting for the next flight. We were going about to get on the next flight, which is going to bring us to Denver and then to Phoenix. And then right at that gate, they're like, okay, you can take on this flight and go to Denver and then Denver to Phoenix. Or if you wait two more hours, you can go direct to Phoenix. We're like, well, wait two more hours. We're going to go direct to Phoenix. So yeah. it was supposed to be like a six, seven hour trip, 30 hours. It was. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Uh, who do you know is living their life to the fullest? Ooh. Do I, so I personally know them? Yeah. Okay. That's a tough one because I don't know many people who are. You know what? Lies. I'm a liar. I I am a big liar. 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 Uh, I do know someone. uh, I think she is. She is someone who has worked very hard and she's in the theater world here in Phoenix and she is constantly working in either directing or being the summer camp director or playing instrument. I think she's living her life to the fullest. What is the coldest you've ever been? Ooh, would have to be. I am from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Yeah. There was a time where there was an ice storm and we were out of power for like 10 days. And the only way we heated the house was because there was one fireplace in this playroom. So we just all lived in the playroom for like a week. And uh, I think that would have to be there, living in Montreal, Quebec, Canada in the winter. Yeah, I bet. Oh, yes. Um, And then now in Phoenix, it's the death, the the hell hell days. Um, What strategies do you use to make big decisions? Oh, so I'm a Libra, Mm -hmm. so I have to weigh every possible option. I am someone who does not make a decision quickly. I really have to think about it, ruminate about it. Uh, Blessedly, I have a husband who is not a Libra, who's a Virgo, and uh, who's good at making decisions. So I have to bounce off him my ideas and everything. So it's not a quick process. It's a long process. And I wish that's the thing I wish I had. I was better at was making these decisions. Yeah. Now, what does that say about Pisces? What is, because I don't know, and I'm a Pisces. You're Pisces. I don't yes. know much about Pisces. Oh, but you damn know it. This is over. I know. Um, Fuck it. Um, <laughs> well, never mind then. And then last question. If your job that you yeah. love uh, gave you a surprise three-day paid break, what would you do with those three days? I only have three days. Yeah. I only have three days. Okay, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. I only have three days. Um, so all, I'm all about experiences and travel. So I would make a point to go to somewhere I've never been before. Okay. So it would be somewhere, it would be a short flight or a short drive because I don't want to waste too much time traveling. Mm-hmm. Maybe, oh, you know, Portland, Oregon would be lovely or Denver, Colorado. That would be lovely. Uh, New Orleans would be lovely. San Antonio would be lovely. I got some options. I got yeah, some options. you got a few, and I like it. I like all those that you named. Thank you so much for for doing this. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate you.
you read your lines perfectly. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I feel validated. All the lies. I feel valid. <laughs> <laughs> I just go through every day. And it's even worse. I don't know if it's worse. With doing the podcast, and I still feel it. Like, the difference with a play, you know, you walk out, there's people there. Yeah. Hopefully they'll tell you. The podcast, you throw it out onto the internet. Hope oh. someone comments or even somebody in passing is like hey i listened to that one episode so yes what how did we get there validation oh okay validation i need it like i need my whiskey um but no seriously thank you i really appreciate it thank you i'm excited to listen to your podcast and that is fascinating yep i only had 10 episodes i'm working on 11 my like i said my my guest was uh yeah, had to cancel. And I, that's the one thing I learned about podcasts. It, it's I was worried about the technical stuff. No, it's not the technical stuff. It's wrangling human beings yeah. at a certain place and time in person during a, a, a pandemic to have a conversation. Yes. That's the hardest part. That's definitely, yeah. It's a, it's a struggle. Have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Thank you so much, Donald. Donald Riva. Oh, my God. Gosh, that's right. All right, bye. Collectively, our energies coming together to put on this production for this for this one moment in time, and it's a journey between audience and me. So-